I'm Gary Chevalier, Connections Pastor at Parkway Fellowship's West Park location. I pray today you're uplifted and encouraged by the truth of God's Word that you're about to hear and apply it to your daily life. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at connections at parkwayfellowship.com. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good to be back up here with you guys again as we kind of wrap up our conversation today about what would Jesus like to undo in our lives. And, you know, uh, one of the questions I'd like us to think about as we get started is, have you ever had an opportunity in your life to give someone a gift that you, you spent a lot of time and energy thinking about, thinking about that person and, and what would be just the perfect gift for them. And you, you, you put all this time and energy and thought and money into it and, and you give them this gift and you're so excited to see their response. And when they open it, they kind of have this kind of like, eh, kind of attitude. It's kind of like they, they didn't even really appreciate it. They didn't even really care about it. Well, it makes me think of a story that I heard a number of years ago um, with a, a young man. He's 18, 19 years old, about to go off to college. And his father was, was preparing to give him a gift. And the son knew that as he went off to college, his dad was probably going to give him something really awesome um, just to kind of send him out and launch him out into the world. And he didn't know what it might be. It might be a car. It might even be like a new hunting rifle or who, who knows what it would be, but he knew it would probably be something fairly significant. Well, the day approached where he's about to go off to college, and, and his dad comes to him, and he has this gift. And the gift came in this box, and this box was, really wasn't all that big, and so he's like, well, what could be so awesome that's in a box that small? But he was excited to open it anyway, and so he opens it, and, and he finds inside this Bible. It was a really nice Bible, a nice, really nice leather Bible, and on the Bible it had his name and everything, and, and inside the son was kind of like, seriously? A Bible? Like, dad, like, that's it? But, but he didn't want his dad to really know how he really felt, and so he was like, oh, thanks, dad, this is great. And he loaded up his stuff, and he went off to college. He took that Bible with him, and he placed it on the shelf, and that's where it sat, collecting dust. Well, you see, the time went on, and the father was anxiously hoping that his son would, would call him one day, and he would just kind of constantly like, man, maybe he's going to, today is going to be the day he's going to give me a phone call. Because you see, the father, when he prepared that gift for his son, he wrote a letter inside that, that Bible that was telling his son about the importance of God's word, and that this was the best gift that he could ever give him. But if his son would have just simply opened the Bible and continued to read, he would have also found a title to a new car inside. <laughs> but you see, the son's indifference robbed him of the gifts that his father was wanting to give him. And you see, I think it's the same way in our lives when Jesus sometimes thinks about us. You know, Jesus left heaven, came here to earth. He was tortured for sins he didn't commit. He bled and he died for us. He gave his life as a sacrifice for us. He was abandoned by his closest friends in the hour that he needed them most. He conquered death, kicking some devil tail. He gave us this living word. He gave us the Holy Spirit to live in us. He gave us access to the throne room of God through prayer. And yet we can go day in and day out, often forgetting the gift that he gave us. 
And so that's what we're going to talk about today as we unpack what would Jesus like to undo in our life. And I, I think spiritual indifference is really what, what, what we could call it today. And, you know, as we think about our culture around, I think our culture could kind of be defined as kind of this meh kind of generation that we, we really don't get that excited about many things. I mean, sometimes you, you ask somebody, man, hey, how's it going? And they're like, eh, I'm all right. Hey, I see you got a new car. That's really awesome. Do you love it? It's so great. Eh, I, I kind of wish I got a different color or, uh, you know, I, the new smells kind of wearing off or, uh, hey, I know you've been looking for a new job and, and you got one. Is, are you so excited? Do you love it? I heard you started last week. Eh, I, I, wish, I wish they were paying me more money and I wish I didn't have to work so much. You know, we, ha we have this attitude sometimes of just this kind of indifference. And, and, you know, Jesus actually wrote to a church in the book of Revelation, that was very similar to that kind of attitude that I think we can relate to. You know, Jesus actually wrote seven letters to seven different churches in the beginning of the book of Revelation, and he imparted those to, to the apostle John, and he wrote them down for us. And, and these letters, they were written to specific churches at that day and time, but I think there's a lot of things in those letters that we can take and apply to our lives today. And so today we're going to actually dive into the seventh letter, and he wrote it to a church called the church in Laodicea. Now, Laodicea is in like the southwestern part of modern-day Turkey, and um, that city, about 35 years prior to this letter being written, was actually leveled by a terrible earthquake. But you see, that city, the people that lived there, they were, they were wealthy and they were strong, and they rebuilt that city. And that city was rebuilt to something that would be compared to like a modern-day Dubai. And I don't know if you've ever been to Dubai. I haven't made it there yet, maybe one day. But I mean, this place is ridiculous. Just like kind of came up out of, out of the ground. And, and so they rebuilt this city that people would have known was a place of wealth and prosperity. But you see, the city of Laodicea also had another problem. They had a problem with their water supply. As awesome as it was, their, their water, they had to pipe in from other cities around. And there was this city called Heropolis, which was to the north about six miles. And they piped in water from their hot springs. There was another city called Colossae to the southeast. And they, they brought water in from there from, from cold springs. And we all know that, that cold water and hot water have their purposes in our life. And they have properties to them that are really useful. But by the time those waters reached the city, they weren't hot or cold anymore. And so that's something about the background to the church that he's writing to. And we're going to pick up in Revelation chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles turned there, you can follow along in your message notes or on the screen. Starting in verse 15, he says, I know your deeds. You are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. This is some strong words from Jesus to this church. I know your deeds. And I think he's saying the same thing to us today. I know your deeds. I know what you did last night. I know what you focused on throughout the week. Is your life marked by a passion for Christ or is it marked by this lukewarm indifference? You see, this lukewarm would, would have had a lot of meaning to them because those waters, like I said, by the time they reached the city, they were lukewarm and you know, I don't know about you, but have you ever had a drink of something that you were expecting to be really cold and refreshing? You were so excited just to pour that drink into your mouth only to find it lukewarm. 
You know, I think about a story uh, or a time in my life where I was going camping with some buddies in college, and, and uh, we were loaded up in my buddy's pickup truck, and he was in, had one of those extended cab pickup trucks, and back then it didn't even have the third door, so you had to lay the front seat down to climb in the back, so I'm squeezed in the back, and we're taking off to Kentucky to go camping for the weekend, and back then I loved Mountain Dew. I still like Mountain Dew, I just try not to drink near as many of them today as I used to, and so... I loved Mountain Dew. A cold, refreshing Mountain Dew was amazing. And so we got in the truck and we're driving down the road and I'm sitting back there and he's got these two cup holders right here and there's this cold Mountain Dew right here. Well, my buddy, he also liked to drink Mountain Dew, but he, when he would finish those bottles, he would save them. He was kind of a collector because he had this other habit of chewing tobacco. You know where this is going. And so... You know, that bottle is sitting here, and my bottle is sitting there, and we're just talking, and I reach over, and I grab that bottle, and I pop the top off, and I take a big swig of that lukewarm spit. It's disgusting. I can remember pounding on the seat in front of me, just begging my friend to pull the car over and let me get out so I could spew that nastiness out of my mouth. You see, the church at Laodicea, when Jesus said, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth, they would have known he meant business, that this is serious talk. Because that word actually, in their original language, would have meant to vomit, to vomit him out of their mouth. You see, Jesus is saying, not only am I heartbroken by your indifference, but it's actually turning my stomach. You see, they're spiritually stale, indifferent. So how does Jesus want to undo indifference in my life? The first thing he wants to do is understand, I need to understand that the cause of spiritual indifference is self-sufficiency. The cause of spiritual indifference is self-sufficiency. And you might be saying, well, Will, what exactly do you mean by this? Well, let's continue reading. Verse 17 says, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You see, Jesus is saying to them, look, you think you got it all together. You think you don't need me in your life because you've got all this stuff and this wealth. But spiritually, you're impoverished. You're like a blind beggar. I want you to wake up to the fact that you're indifferent you see this self-sufficiency in our lives, you know, I, I think if you look around and you think about where we live in this day and age in this Western culture we live in, no matter what level of income you make, I promise you, you're in the top 10% in the world when it comes to wealthy. We don't really need anything, do we? We can live this life and we can think we've got it all together and we're self-sufficient until stuff happens. You know, my, my wife and I, when we moved to Uganda, I can remember us coming to the realization of this in our lives because I think up until that point, we thought, you know, we, are the, we can handle most things in our lives. We moved there, and, and we even were, compared to the people around us, we were really wealthy, and, and I can remember thinking, you know, I think we can solve most of our problems here with the money that we have. No matter what we face, I think we'll be okay. Well, very quickly, we realized the dependence we were going to have to have on God. I mean, we couldn't count on and couldn't use our financial resources to make sure we were going to have electricity every day. We couldn't make sure that we were going to have water running to our house in any given day because of the kind of money that we had. 
We couldn't be guaranteed that we were going to be safe as we traveled around in crazy traffic conditions. There was no guarantee that if we got injured that we were going to get great medical care, even if we went to the best hospital in the country. You see, so much was out of our control, and we came to the realization of this self-sufficient mindset that we had, and we had to start depending on God like we never depended on Him before. And I think you've experienced that too. You've had those times in your life where you thought you had everything figured out, and then the oil prices dropped, and jobs were lost. Your nest egg didn't look like it used to look. The stocks dropped, and those things that you had saved for your future didn't look as good as they used to. You see, oftentimes our circumstances dictate our dependence on God. Our circumstances dictate our dependence on God, but it shouldn't be that way. He wants us to depend on Him always. You see, the second thing that I think we need to do as we try to undo the spiritual indifferences in our life is to recognize the lukewarm indifference in my life. I have to recognize it, to call it for what it is. And there, I think there's five types of lukewarm indifference I want us to look at today. And the first one is this right here. We're more concerned with impressing people than living for God. We're more concerned with impressing people than living for God. I mean, we're, we're so concerned with how cool we are with the crowds that we hang out with. And, and you know, do we have the kind of car that matches up with everyone else? Or, or what are people going to think about my house? And what do they think about my social media posts? And what do they think about the way I parent? And, and all of these different things. We compare ourselves to the world's standards in that. But we don't usually ask, God, what do you think about my job? What do you think about the car that I drive? What do you think about the house that I live in? We don't stop to ask him what he thinks and what he cares about. We just set our standards by the world around us and impressing those people. The next one is we're obsessed with life on earth rather than eternity. We're obsessed with life on earth rather than eternity. We're more concerned with our 401k, and we spend a lot of time and energy putting a lot, of, a lot of focus on that to make sure we've got this perfect thing set up for when we retire one day. You know, we also try to make this life as convenient as possible. I mean, heaven forbid you have to get out your smartphone and scroll to a playlist to push play to listen to music in your house. Now you just tell Alexa to do it. You can tell her to tell you what the weather is for the day, give you a, a news update. She can turn on the lights, she can set an alarm, set a timer, and she can even control your TV. I mean, it's really difficult to pick up that remote anymore and actually change the channels. Whew. But in all seriousness, that's what we do. We try to make this life heaven, and yet we're never promised that this life is going to be heaven. That's the next life. You know, my son, when he was eight years old, gave us a lot of wisdom to my wife and I. It was some months after we had lost our son, Truett. We were living in Uganda, and he was riding down the road with my wife, and he said, hey, Mom, I think I know why bad things happen. He said, I think bad things happen in this life because if, if this life were perfect, we wouldn't want to go spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. It's amazing what we can learn from an eight-year-old boy. That really got us thinking. The next one is we rationalize sin and live without truly fearing God. 
We rationalize sin and live without truly fearing God. You know, we like to sugarcoat sin. It's not an adultery, it's an affair. It's not pornography, it's adult entertainment. We compare ourselves to those around us. Well, at least I'm not as drunk as that person. Well, at least I'm not doing the things that they do. I'm not as bad as them. We set our standards by those around us rather than comparing ourselves with God and His Word. We don't even like to read verses like I'm about to read you from Ephesians 5, verse 3. It says, But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. You see, we read verses like that and we're like, no, I mean, come on. Seriously, I mean, Paul, does he really expect me not to watch any TV? Because if I'm going to live by this, maybe I can't even turn the thing on. You see, the same way we sugarcoat our sin, we like to sugarcoat God's Word. The next one is we ask, where are you in the bad times? And we forget to thank God in the good times. You know, we view God through our circumstances. When things aren't going good, when we, lost, we lose our job, when we are in a terrible car accident and total our vehicle, or, or we lose the house, or, or something like that, we, we often times ask God where are you I can't hear you I don't see you where are you in my life but when things are going good we often forget that he's the one that provided those good things in our life you know I think about the 10 lepers when Jesus healed the 10 lepers and and they're walking on their way to go see the priest and show that they've been healed. And, and so they're walking along the way and you've got that guy, that one guy that he looks down and he realizes his skin is, is healed and he runs back to thank Jesus. The other nine, they run off totally forgetting who healed them, who just saved their life. Which one are you more like? The one that went back to thank God or, or like the nine that went away thinking that your good fortune in your life is because of wise decisions you've made and, and working really hard. You know, oftentimes we forget to thank him for the things we see him doing in our lives. The next one is we're not much different from the world. We're not much different from the world. I mean, we, we watch the same movies. We laugh at the same jokes. We participate in the same things when we go on that trip to Vegas with our work that the world says we should be doing. We, we give the same hand gestures when we're driving in that rush hour traffic to those people around us that the world does. And oftentimes we, we continue on in this life because we're looking at the world around us and we forget the standards God set in our lives and, and all of a sudden we wake up indifferent with this lukewarm kind of attitude. I mean, if you think about the people in your life that you interact with six days out of the week, would they know that you're even sitting here by the way that you live your life? Would they know that you go to church every Sunday? Something that we have to challenge ourselves with. Now, this list that I've given you, it's not all-inclusive. It's not necessarily everything in our lives that, that causes this indifference, but I think it's some things that we can really look at. And I could give you a list right now of things that you need to do to rid yourself of this spiritual indifference. 
a, a big long list of things that you need to do to, to draw closer to God, but I think we would all leave here quite overwhelmed by that list. And I think I, I want to leave you with just one thing that I think if you'll start doing this one thing on a daily basis, you'll start to see the lukewarm, indifferent attitude towards your spiritual life just fade away, and you'll see a spiritual fire begin to grow within you. And that is this. Do something that requires faith. Every day, do something that requires faith. You see, when you step out of your comfort zone and you do something that requires faith, you're going to feel a bit of anxiety. You're going to feel a bit uncomfortable with that moment. But when you do that, you're going to lean in to God. You're going to lean into Jesus. You're going to start talking to him and say, give me the strength to do this. Give me the strength to trust you in this moment because it feels scary. But you're going to lean into him as you do something that requires faith. And for you, maybe it's, it's sharing your testimony with that friend that you know God's been putting on your heart. You need to share about what Christ has done in your life and how he's transformed your life. Or maybe for you, it's apologizing to someone in your life that you know you need to apologize for. Maybe it's confessing something that you need to confess. Maybe it's going to that marriage counseling that your, your spouse has been begging you to go to and you don't want to go because you know it's going to uncover some stuff. But you know if you go, once you get through those difficult moments, it's actually going to transform your marriage. Maybe you need to take a step of faith and go. Maybe for you it's fasting. Maybe, maybe when you have a friend that you're praying for, God puts on your heart, hey, why don't you fast and pray for them for like two or three days? And instead of just praying a few seconds each day, actually you, you take that step of faith and you fast for that friend and pray for them. Or maybe for you it's giving something that you truly value, that you truly love to someone that you know it would bless much more than you keeping it for yourself. I don't know what it is. But do something that requires faith. And maybe for you today, it's, it's simply taking that first step of faith towards Jesus. Maybe for you, you know that you need to give your life over to him. You see, if we were to continue reading down to verse 20 in Revelation 3, it says, Here I am, and this is Jesus talking, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. Maybe for you, that's the first step of faith you need to make right now. Maybe you need to ask him. You need to open that door and allow him in to your life. If that's you today, you can do that by turning over those messages. Down there at the bottom, you're going to find a prayer that you can pray or one like it, and you can ask Jesus to take over your life right now. Don't wait any longer. Now, for the rest of us, as we, we think about this, res the results of us depending on God and taking that step of faith, I promise you when you do it, it's going to stretch you. And you're going to start to see that spiritual indifference fade away. And I want to challenge you, look for opportunities. Pray when you get out of bed every morning, God, show me how I can take steps of faith to trust in you today. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was actually listening to a sermon by a guy named Craig Groeschel. I like to listen to podcasts and sermons a lot, and, and Craig Groeschel actually preached a very similar sermon to this one, and, and at the end of it, he left me with that challenging thought, hey, do something every day that requires faith. 
And I was listening to this as I was driving to go meet up with a friend of mine for breakfast. And we were, I meet with this friend, a, a couple guys actually to, with, for accountability on a regular basis. And only one of them was able to come that day. So I'm driving and we go, I'm meeting him at IHOP and I'm, I'm listening to this sermon. And literally as I pull into the parking place in IHOP, there's a man sitting on a bench right in front of me. And he's asleep and it's obvious to me that this man is homeless. And I just heard Craig say, do something that requires faith. I'm like, man. And in my heart, I felt the Holy Spirit saying, hey, why don't you invite him in to eat breakfast with you and your friend? Now, let me tell you something. When you take steps of faith, there's somebody that doesn't want you to do that. Satan is going to immediately start to resist you. And so I, the battle began in my mind, and I remember saying to myself, well, but your friend, this may make him very uncomfortable. Maybe he, he wouldn't like this. Or, or I remember thoughts of like, well, what if this guy doesn't even speak English? What are you going to do then? That's going to be awkward. And so I, I'm wrestling with this thing. So I get out of my truck. And I start to head in. And I'll be honest with you, I just walked on by. And I went in and I sat down and I ate breakfast with my friend. And, and the, the, the waitress, she actually led us over to sit down at this table and right outside our window is that man. And for an hour as I sat there and I ate breakfast and I visited with my friend, God was still working on me. You see, at the end of the time when we finished eating, I, 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 I told my friend, I said, you know what? God's really been working on me and I, I feel like I need to buy that guy breakfast. And he said, hey, I got to run to work, but look, I'll go in on it with you. So he left me some money and I bought this guy breakfast and the waitress, she made it to go and I brought it out there to him. He was still asleep. And I woke him up, I kind of startled him, and I said, hey, I, I can tell you're going through a rough time. And I, I handed him the breakfast, I said, here, man, I said, I said what's going on? And he said, he said you know, I, I had a job, and, and the company I used to work for, it actually shut down, and so I, I've been out of work for a while, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm going through a rough time. And, and I was able to talk with him for a minute, and I actually shared, because like the day before, I found out some job opportunities over here at TJ Maxx, just across the street right here, and so I told him of some opportunities that I knew about. And honestly, that was kind of the end of the conversation. I got in my car, and I, I drove, drove on to the rest of my day. And I can remember feeling inside a little bit of like, like a failure, like I didn't follow through with what I felt God putting on my heart. But you know what? I did follow through at some level. And you know that hour time period where I was wrestling? You know what? I talked to God more in those few moments than I've talked to him in that short a time in quite some time. And so when you take steps of faith, it's amazing how God will challenge you and he will continue to work on you and he'll continue to give you opportunities. That guy could have gotten up and walked off and I never saw him again before I had the opportunity to go out and visit with him. You see, he's knocking on the door of your heart and he's asking you to let him in, to rid yourself of that lukewarm nature and to to set aside that spiritual indifference and to trust him. But in order for us to do that, we got to trust him on a daily basis. we got to remember that we're not self-reliant. We've got to rely on him in our lives. Well, as we wrap up today, I want you to go ahead and take out that connection card that you've got, that, that, that Brian had you fill out a few minutes ago. On the back of that connection card, every week, we've got a list of commitments that we want to challenge you to take in relation to the message of that day. 
Because we think it's important that we don't just hear the words from Scripture, but that we actually put them into practice. So I want you to take a moment, and I want you to look at that list. And I want you to think about those things, and I want you to mark the ones that you want to commit to today and this week. I'm going to go ahead and pray for us as you look through those and you make that commitment. And the band's going to come up and lead us in another song. Father God, we thank you. God, we thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to come here each week, to dive into your word, to, to lift you up in praise and worship. And God, God, sometimes we confess that we kind of have an indifferent attitude and mindset in our lives towards our, our relationship with you. But God, we don't want that anymore. God, we want to rid this indifference in our lives. We want to get rid of this lukewarm faith, God, and we want to be on fire for you. So God, as we take steps of faith this week, God, would you give us courage? Would you give us boldness to take those steps, to lean into you, God? And I'm confident that when we do that, we're going to see how you show up. And that step of faith one day is going to lead to bigger steps the next day, and we're going to continue to lean into you throughout every aspect of our life, and that's our desire, God. We want you to be a part of everything. God, we love you so much. God, we need you. We need you constantly. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for what your son did for us, giving us access back to you. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining our weekly podcast from the Sunday Morning Experience. If you have questions, please reach out at connections at parkwayfellowship.com. Have a great week.